I think we can label 2020 the year of fear and confusion, and with that uh, confusion, more fear, followed by a bunch of unhealthy ways to cope with it all. This pandemic has just made a mess of life as we know it, and the end uh, really isn't in sight. I mean, Edmonton City Council just voted in mandatory masks in public buildings to the end of 2021. Um, when you think about it, okay, this is just my opinion. We won't all share it. I just think that's one fear-driven decision. So here's what's happening in our country as a result of restrictions and lockdowns. Actually, let me back up a bit. Canadians used to be the happiest people in the world. Right now, we've slipped from number one to around number nine. Huge drop, and it's happened all because of the pandemic. The statistics keep changing and are getting ever darker. So the result is <clears throat> this COVID-19 pandemic is wrecking havoc on us in terms of mental health, opioid use, uh, substance abuse problems. More people right now are turning to drugs, alcohol, tobacco, and screen time over physical exercise to cope with the stress. Domestic violence and suicide is on the rise. And then we're being told that there's a good chance that 15 to 20% of independent businesses won't recover from the pandemic recession. And every small business owner is someone, uh, their business is their dream, right? A, a family's livelihood and in jobs for employments, that's all up for grabs here. And add to that, inner city big oil companies, they're cutting back and in many cases uh, shutting their doors uh, uh, to contractors. Um, no wonder that domestic violence is up, suicide is up, and... And for every 1% increase in unemployment in Alberta, there is almost 3% increase in suicide. Our, our premier believes that uh, in Alberta, more people right now are dying from the uh, collateral fallout from the pandemic than from the pandemic itself. It, it's all about how you choose to read the statistics. In May 2018, 68% of all Canadians 15 years of age and older reported excellent or very good feelings of mental health. Uh, in May of this year, just two months into the pandemic, that figure had dropped to 48%. We did a rapid drop from 68% to uh, 48%, an instant 20% drop. And now we're further in, right? We're, uh, further, we're eight months into the pandemic and we're in the middle of a much fiercer second wave. And my guess is that figure will just continue to plummet drastically, that mental health here is a, a huge, having huge fallout in the middle of this pandemic. So what that means is that most of you here in person or online even though many of you are still not all that worried about catching COVID personally, despite the second wave and all that's going on right now, you are being impacted by COVID big time, and you have increasingly experienced feelings of confusion, anxiety, and fear about your life and the future of your family. The growth in fear has simply been debilitating because of the pandemic. It's a little stronger in the surveys in women than men, but I suspect some men, when they do these surveys, out of their need, you know, to be strong and macho, might not tell the truth or even tell the truth to themselves. Men have a tendency, when they feel confused and fearful, to not just hide from the truth, but uh, they won't admit it to themselves. So if you're a guy and you're thinking, hey, I don't need any of this uh, how to deal with fear stuff, can I suggest strongly that you do, okay? Man or woman, even if you think you've got it all together today, uh, you need this. 
And, and let me just say that the person who says they have no fears, whether it's from this crazy time we're living in or something else, the person who says I have no fear is not in touch with reality. Really, you all need this. Let me start with uh, this word of testimony from King David. This is King David who took on the giant Goliath when everyone else in Israel was afraid to go near. This is David who so messed up his relationships with his family that his son Absalom led a rebellion against him, took over control of the country, drove his father out, fleeing for his life. I mean, David lived fearfully in caves, and and at one point uh, uh, he pretended to be insane to get a little help from another king. I mean, David just lived through some incredibly tense, fearful times. Here's what David said that really should encourage you and me. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. All of them, all my fears. I sought the Lord. And notice what God does. He doesn't minimize the fear. He doesn't call the fear illegitimate. He delivers us from the fear. The good news Bible says, he freed me from all my fears. This is one of the things that's so awesome about following our God. Our God understands our fears and he wants to free us from the grip of fear, deliver us from the consequences of fear. Okay, last week I I told you about uh, uh, one of my favorite American presidents was Teddy Roosevelt who loved to hunt, who helped put in place the uh, conservation system we use today for sport hunting. And by the way, I want to say thanks to a handful of you who sent me more pictures of dead deer and moose in response to my message. Sweet, thank you. Okay, Roosevelt has this famous quote that so many people love, but I'll tell you... uh, Right now, before I give you the quote, uh, I get what he means, but really it's a boatload of crap, okay? And here's what Roosevelt said. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Rah, 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 right? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Nice, macho thought, but not true. Because sometimes fear is legitimate. And fear sometimes needs to be respected. And the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. That's not what we're talking about today, but I'll throw that in there. One of the preachers who I often listen to, I won't name him, but on a message he did on fear, he used this acrostic to come up with a a definition of fear. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. No, that's just like Roosevelt's boatload of crap. The evidence is not always false. Hey, there's one, left, one week left in the big game season here in northern Alberta. Let me tell you, I have a legitimate, healthy fear of what a high-power rifle can do and the damage it can do if it's not used safely, right? Same for many of the safety rules where you work. They are based on legitimate issues, legitimate fears. They need to be respected. So, yeah, some of our fears are legitimate. Not all of them, but some of them. Okay, for fun. Well, let me just uh, put legitimate uh, versus illegitimate fears into perspective. Let me give you some stats. Someone found them from somewhere. That's all I'll say. 40% of all fears are about the future and never happen. Just saying. 30% of the fears you have are about the past and can't be changed. 12% are needless fears about your health and you don't... Yeah, you just don't need to have. It's things that's not going to happen. And 10% are petty fears that are not worth worrying about. Now, don't try to add that all up because... uh, Um, Some of the percentages overlap. It's not that only 8% of your fears are legitimate and 92% are illegitimate. That's just not the case. 
But yeah, I do agree that, you know, maybe a lot of your fears are not worth worrying about because probably they aren't real. Um, some of your COVID fears might not be real or they're not helpful, but here's the deal. Some of your fears are worth worrying about in a healthy way. Hey, if I did not have a healthy fear of some things, I probably wouldn't be alive today. You know what I mean? A few of you do because it's true for you too. That we survived as teens and 20-somethings really is amazing, right? So it just doesn't help to say your fears are illegitimate. That shame-producing statement doesn't make you less fearful, right? Yes, the fact is many of your fears might be illegitimate, but some are very well-founded. And whether your fears are well-founded or not, whether your fears are legitimate or not, God wants to deliver you from them either way. God wants to walk you through, bring you through them. Here's another reason why following Jesus is so amazing. This is why we should all yearn to be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. God, through His Spirit at work in us, wants to free us from the power of fear. And yes, even in the midst of fearful circumstances, God wants to deliver you from from your fear. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. This is a tremendous promise that every follower of Jesus can experience. All of us can. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a command that Jesus wants to help you to do. He just doesn't command you, do not be anxious and tell you to just go womp up your own peace. No, he calls you to pray for it, to seek God for it, to ask. And then the promise is God will give you peace. He will give you amazing supernatural peace that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This is a promise from our God. If you are not yet a committed follower of Jesus, this alone should cause you to say yes to him right now. He will give you peace in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the mess, if you seek him for it. Our God is a peace giver. Something else maybe you should notice. When did Paul write this letter to the Philippians? I'm not expecting you all to know this, but he wrote this letter when he was in a dingy, dark Roman prison awaiting trial that could result in his death, right? And uh, yeah, Paul spent something like two and a half years in a dank prison cell, almost five years in total in some sort of confinement, including that two and a half years. And we get uptight about a little quarantine now and then, but that's just a side comment. Okay, let me take you to a well-known story in the life of Jesus that gives us some insight into the fears we experience and the key to overcoming these fears and living with courage. At the end of a long day of ministry of Jesus with his disciples, uh, people have been listening with enthusiasm to the teaching of Jesus. Then at the end of this long day, we, we get this powerful incident recorded at the end of the fourth uh, chapter of Mark, and let me read it to you. That day... When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. 
the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still, be calm. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I don't know about you, but I've been in a couple of situations where I just kept fishing in the middle of a lake when maybe I should have feared the uh, growing signs of storm more than I did. And then when I ignored those signs, I became gripped with fear because it was spring, the water was cold, and we were fighting to keep the boat from flipping over. Fears arise, your adrenaline pumps up, and the fight to stay alive can get pretty intense. So when I read this story, I don't rush to fault the disciples. I get it. There are times in a boat that just gets a bit dicey, right? And if it happens at night, it's all the more scary. What catches me in this story is that Jesus told his disciples that they were going to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus knew that they were headed into a fierce storm, so they all go off together. This furious squall hits them, and the water starts to break over the boat. The boat nearly swamps. Again, I've been there done that, been gripped with fear just like the disciples. They wake Jesus who's sound asleep at the stern and they ask him why he didn't care that they were in trouble. Ever ask God that? God, don't you care? I sure have. Jesus. He's just so cool and in control. It's kind of like you know, he's just not phased and it even feels like he doesn't really, he's not troubled by what the disciples are troubled with and he just looks at the rain and the wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And the waves obeyed. I mean, how cool is that? Like, God is pretty awesome. Now, those of you who know your Old Testament or remember the story of Jonah from Sunday school, you'll remember that Jonah decided to run from God. God sent a great storm uh, that terrified the sailors as uh, they were taking on water in the boat, but Jonah kept sleeping through it too. So is Jonah being like Jesus? No. Not at all. Jonah could sleep through the storm because he was arrogant and complacent. He lacked a healthy fear of God that he should have had. His arrogant uh, lack of fear endangered other people's lives and got him eventually tossed overboard. Jesus, in contrast, slept through the storm because he was confident and in control. Jesus told his disciples that they were going to go to the other side. His promise was good. They had nothing to be anxious about. God gave them a promise, and his promise was good. And, and we all, let's, all of us here, all of us watching, we all have the promise that God gave us through Paul. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace comes. The story... Uh, as this story has spoken pretty powerfully to my heart this week. I'll, I'll let you a little bit on uh, some of my experience of anxiety. It's been, uh, yeah, uh, over finances here at Fort City since September. This is an issue, by the way, for all of us to pray about and wrestle with as we can all play a role and help just saying. But from March to the end of August, while our finances were rocky, we made it, we did okay, we met our obligations, we were good. But over the summer, a number of our family moved out of uh, Fort McMurray, and a number of you lost your jobs or had your income severely reduced. The pandemic has been 
financially rough on many of you, and in turn, it's become tough on Fort City. And we've seen a, a somewhat consistent 25 to 30% drop in giving since September. And friends, that's like huge, okay? And I feel that. Because two-thirds of our budget is staffing and staffing-related costs. And we have a staff team who are working twice as hard right now because of the pandemic and getting half of the results. And then comes the threat uh, from, you know, in the middle of all our good effort, the threat of reduced wages. I get it. Reduced wages is what many of you are experiencing right now. But still, I feel it. We have a great staff team. I just see the economic storm we're in, and I become anxious. But this story of Jesus sleeping through the storm until the disciples call on him to deliver them has calmed me a bit. As Jesus gave the disciples a promise that they would get to the other side, God has given us at Fort City promises of a powerful future impacting the city for Jesus. I believe that. I know that God will get us to the other side of this storm. And maybe God will use you to help with our storm. I don't know. I just know that he will work through people to make it happen. Same with your storm, your financial storm, or, or whatever it is that you're going through right now, a relational storm, a, a health storm. God's got this. Okay. Uh, another thought that has spoken very powerfully to me in these days. Some of you will remember when Jesus said, Very uh, truly, I, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. You ever think about that verse? It's a pretty powerful verse. That means at the very least, we can do what Jesus did here in the boat, and we can bring peace to the wind and the waves in our lives. Think about that. Friends, because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can ask, we can pray, we can pray with authority, and as we pray, God works and brings peace to the fears and the anxieties in our hearts. Friends, the answer to the anxiety and fear in our hearts is Jesus. The way to navigate through the mess of these days is with Jesus. Let me put it this way. A disciplined focus on the love and goodness of our God is the key to overcoming fear. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Now to keep your eyes on Jesus, it means you've got to take Jesus seriously. You've got to dive deeply into him and grow your work with him so that you're flooded with his loving presence day by day by day. You've got to realize, Jesus, he's in the boat with you. He loves you. He'll get you to the other side. By far the most powerful, long-term, sustainable way to overcome fear and live with courage is to let Jesus get into the boat with you. So let me ask right now, is Jesus in the boat with you? You can ask him right now to come into your life, to be in your boat. And if you've never done that, even as I'm talking right now, just just... Cry out to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Say, hey, I want you. Come on in. Be a part of my life. Now with Jesus in your boat, with Jesus in your life, with the Holy Spirit living in you, let me give you some practical things you can do to push back against the fear and live with courage. Number one, just stop and breathe. Sometimes we just need to breathe in and out. Acknowledge that God is in the boat with you, so you breathe in God's presence. He is with you. And then you breathe out His grace, grace where He supernaturally works in your situation. Stop. Take a breath and breathe in the life-calming, peace-giving, fear-destroying presence of Jesus. Stop and breathe, Jesus. Breathe the Spirit into your life. Be filled with the Spirit so that you can breathe out His grace that overcomes fear. 
Secondly, remember. Remember that we're here today because God has brought us through some storms in the past. I mean, seriously. You remember when God pulled you through something, a storm before? When I do that, when I remember, that's when I know, that's when I have the faith to believe that he will fight for me today, every day. Because what God has done in the past, he can do again. Number three, ask. That's what Paul tells us to do in his letter to the Philippians that we just read. Sometimes God is just waiting for us to ask for him, for courage and help. If we ask, he will answer friends. He is faithful. And one last thought, worship. There is incredible power released through personal and corporate worship. The pressure decreases as our worship increases. Online worship is awesome. In-person worship for all of you who are able, that is even more powerful. When you experience the manifest presence of God as we worship together, it just raises our level of faith and courage and calms our fears. I tell you, there is incredible power that changes you when you worship, not just on your own, but with God's people. Corporate worship is so, so powerful. So again, get your eyes on Jesus, on his love and power. The Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear. Pray and give your fears over to Jesus. Read God's word and maybe work through the book of Psalms and see how David and others experienced God driving away their fears as they prayed and as they worshiped. Friends, fear is the opposite of faith. And faith comes by hearing God's word, keeping our eyes on Jesus, and with faith comes courage. So one last thought. These are the words of Paul. If God is for us, like who can be against us? So let's just take a moment to pray that God would help us uh, to uh, overcome fear and fill us with his peace and courage. Let's just take the prayer that I pray and maybe sincerely pray it in your own way as I pray. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for your perfect love for me. Thank him for that right now. And I thank you that your perfect love drives out my fear. I pray that I'd be filled to overflowing with your perfect love, with your spirit, with Jesus. Just invite him to fill you with his spirit. Bring me calm and give me courage to navigate these days well. Thank you that faith in you can so impact my life for the better. And as you touch my life, as you deliver me from my fears and give me courage, use me, use me to help others find courage through you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.